for us to see uh, what you want us to apply to our lives. We thank you for your son and for this Advent season that we were just blessed to be a part of, and we just pray that we can always live for you. In your son's name we pray, amen. All right, well, I want to uh, share a little bit about myself first before we get going, just uh, with a story. Uh, back in 1992, my wife and I were wed, Miss Mary Beth. And uh, for many of you know Miss Mary Beth, so I'll try to keep this story legal. So, <laughs> so about four years into our marriage, uh, we started discussing children for us. You know, and it became more and more frequent. Uh, be it fostering or adoption or by biological means. And, and all those are options for those who want to grow families. So that's something that we started discussing. So we begin to pray for what God's direction was for us. And so we wanted to do what he wanted us to do. And so we just were open. And soon in 1997, my wife became pregnant. And we were very excited, but also very scared. Um, the journey began on seeking to understand what pregnancy was. Um, so we would read books, we would talk to doctors, we would see ultrasounds, we would go to the classes, and I don't know if that educated us, us more or scared us more, uh, but we would go to the classes uh, to deepen our knowledge and sometimes fear about this miraculous event. And so we were starting to get a good idea of what this time in our life might look like. And so daily we were reminded that a child was coming. Every day, my, my wife's life changed dramatically. She needed more rest. I tried to use that excuse, but it didn't work. She was eating for two. Uh, smells became a challenge for her. Uh, things that she loved to eat, like roast, that we would leave in the crock pot all morning when we were at church. She would come home and she couldn't even walk in the house because she smelled that smell. And so she couldn't come in the house, and so it became a challenge for her. So she got sick often. And so she was dealing with many physical changes. I was dealing, I think, with more psychological changes in this process. Uh, and so I never did know whether she needed a massage, a snack, or just a bucket, just to be honest. And so how was I going to provide for my wife? How was I going to provide for this new life uh, that was coming? How was I going to protect them? And this event of pregnancy was not an everyday affair for us. This was something new. But through all the changes, we would watch in wonderment as this child would move inside of her womb. She would kick. She would hiccup. She would roll to and fro. And it was absolutely amazing. Now, even though the child was in the womb and we were not able to meet her, we started to develop a love for her a longing to be with her, a longing to hold her, a love for a child, as you all know, is no small thing, no matter what route that you go to have a child. And God loved the world so much that He gave His only child for it. We just went through that Advent season of celebrating the birth of Christ. And I say again that God loved this world so much that He gave His Son. And that, was, that was a real big sacrifice. It was a real big sacrifice, but you know, we needed that sacrifice. You know, we can go back all the way to the garden in Genesis chapter 1, and we see Adam and Eve, they had the perfect job tending the garden. I mean, can you imagine that job? I would love that job. Walking with God is one of the prerequisites. That Check, no problem. That'd be awesome. And, you know, naming animals. And, you know, being able to ask God. Like, I would ask God, why did you make a possum? Why a possum? 
What, why a sloth? What, what's the importance? So you know all that insider information as you're walking with God in the garden. The perfect job. But you know, they decided to listen to a snake. You know the story. They listened to a snake. They went after something they shouldn't have gone after. And because of that, their selfish desires, pursuing that rather than God, we see in chapter 3 that this, this sin damaged the relationship between God and man. And forever it hasn't been the same. But a perfect holy God cannot be around sin. And Adam and Eve were removed from the garden. And they were told that from now on, life would be difficult. Life's going to be tough. But God, with His love for His creation, still provided. We always forget about that. We forget that God provided at that point. He gave them clothing to wear because they were embarrassed because they didn't have any clothing and they realized it now. But also gave them a future promise. He said one day one of their offsprings would bruise the serpent's head. Meaning, one day one of the offsprings of Adam and Eve would defeat Satan. That's an awesome promise. And so they went on their way. And you keep on seeing this in the Old Testament, that God would provide opportunities for His people to draw close to Him. We look and the story of Moses. Can you imagine after these ten unbelievable plagues and God's people being protected... And God, through Moses and Aaron, leading the people out of Egypt, you know, splitting the Red Sea, you know, leading the people by day with a pillar of cloud, and at night a pillar of fire, and then going to Mount Sinai, and this, I mean, you've seen the Ten Commandments, you see how awesome that was, you know, Charles Nessens, all that stuff, speaking in King James. And so you see the power of God, here's God's people looking up the mountain, seeing the power of God moving Daily. And Moses leaves the camp to go up to talk to God. And what do they do? They go to Aaron. Hey, Aaron, uh, could you take off our, our gold and melt it and let's make another idol and let's worship it? One day, they turned away from God. Because Satan makes everything attractive to us as people. He, he prays on us that he, can anything shiny, anything that can pull us away from God, he tries to do it. So again... Pulling God's people away from focusing on Him. Breaking that relationship. But luckily, God provided a sacrificial system. We see that in the Old Testament. That when there was a sin, you would give an animal, be it a bird, a goat, a sheep, a bull. You would give an offering to God to make that relationship right. By the spilling of blood, that sacrifice. I mean, there was even an offering that the priest could make for people that they didn't even know that they sinned. Those sins that are just like, oops, I, don't, I didn't even realize I sinned. But he, you could go every year and make an offering that would cover the sins that you didn't realize that you did. So sacrifice after sacrifice after sacrifice. That blood was spilt over and over again. And that would repair that relationship with God until, until the person committed another sin. But God continued to provide. As you progress through the Old Testament, the Jewish people progressively pulled away from God's leadership and sought guidance and worship of other gods. We see it. We see the stories. But as much as God would use the prophets of old to remind the people of their downfalls, He would also use the prophets to remind them of their future. You have to remember that. In Jeremiah 33, 14 and 15, it says, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfill the promise I made in those days, and at that time I will cause a righteous branch 
to spring up from David, and he shall execute justice and righteousness in all the land. Now think about that. The Genesis passage that says, One day an offspring of yours will defeat Satan. And right here in Jeremiah that says, There will be another that will come and be righteous in the land. The branch of David, offspring of heaven of Eve, an offspring that is going to defeat Satan, an offspring that is going to make the relationship right between God and His children. And we see in Numbers 26, 24, I'm sorry, that the sign of this coming leader, the Messiah, will be a star. We just studied that in Advent, you know, the, the wise men. But you know, if you look at God's Word in Matthew 2, the wise men didn't come until after Christ's birth. Now, I didn't realize how big of a thing that was until I went to Mexico City one time on a mission trip. And so here we are in the Baptist Student Center down in Mexico City during this same week, this same week, some 800 years ago, but it's this, this same week. And I remember walking through the city on the Three Kings Day, and everybody's dressed up like Three Kings. It was really kind of neat and exciting, but also kind of scary when you see a bunch of people dressed up like Three Kings. But see, in Mexico City, I don't know if everybody does this, but during Christmas Day, the 25th, they celebrate the birth of Christ. And when the Three Kings Day comes around this week, after our Christmas holiday, they celebrate gift-giving. So they get with the families, and they give gifts, and they celebrate this time of the birth of Christ. And so here they are, celebration everywhere. It's like a carnival. Everybody dressed up like three kings celebrating the gifts. Now, when we think of the three kings, it's something we sing songs about. It's something that we see the three kings in our nativity sets. Growing up, we had the porcelain nativity set back in the day. And as the baby of the family, I would play, I would just love it when this set came out. It was huge. And it had all the ceramic type pieces. And I love the three kings. You know, me and anything is shiny. And so I would always pretend like they're walking to the manger. And so I broke heads off, hands off, gifts off. I mean, these guys looked like a loss of a hockey team on a bad day. They were all beat up. Had glue on them, all nasty. I mean, I probably glued, my mom probably glued the wrong gifts on the wrong people. I don't know. But still, these guys were beat up. But we all know the three kings. But they were influenced by the advent. You know, with, with looking at how the, the Latino people in Central and South America celebrate Christmas, they, these kings are about gifts, about giving, about a difference because they were influenced. And so today I want to talk a little bit about their plight their adventure that they had. And so this is a little bit kind of kicking back into what you've probably heard from Pastor Dallas, but I want to share a little bit more from maybe a different perspective. And so let's look at Matthew chapter 2, starting with verse 1 and 2. It says, Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, the wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose... And have come to worship him. Now, these wise men we all know about, and they, it says they came from the east, more than likely from an area of the old Persian Empire, maybe modern day Iraq, Iran, kind of up in that area. And they were very influential people. Some people call them magi, some people call them kings, uh, some people call them wise men. They weren't magicians like a David Copperfield, they're not pulling rabbits out of their hats or anything. 
They're not kings. Enough evidence is not there to say that they are kingly over a country. But it's very much known by many scholars that they were wise men. They were astrologers. They were men that looked at stars as a roadmap to the future. We see horoscopes today, and people say that that guides your life, and you need to live like a Leo or whatever it is. And, And these guys back then would look at the stars for people to determine what's next in life, how life was going to shape the country, the people, families, whatever, your job. They were very, very influential people. They were very, very wealthy people. And so these wise men are studying the skies, watching the stars in their days, and they saw this new star. Now, this is where we have to really be in their shoes. Wise men, astrologers, looking at stars, studying the stars, and they see a new star. A new star. Speaking of star, I love Star Wars. And so, I remember going to the first Star Wars in 1977 as a child. And ever since, I was hooked. And so, when the rumor came out of Star Wars 7, The Force Awakens, you can imagine this little guy got a little giddy. I was excited. I was studying all kinds of websites, blogs. I was reading everything. I read the books, even. I am the ultimate geek of Star Wars. And so when they said that this is coming out, I got so excited. Who went the first day? This guy. Who went the next day? This guy. Because I love some Star Wars. Now that same excitement that I got because of Star Wars came out. I kind of think that's the excitement that these astrologers had. They know the stars. They see the stars. They study the stars. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, What's that Melchion? What's that new star? I've never seen that new star. Can you imagine the excitement that they had when they saw that new star in the sky? And so I imagine that these guys were studying hard. Now you've heard about the exile and God's holy people going into Babylon and being a part of Assyria, being a part of the Persian empires, all that stuff. So I'm sure that there's all kinds of scripture left behind by God's people in this land. And I'm sure that these astrologers, these wise men, came upon that scripture where it talks about that this star will be the sign of a new and righteous judge and king of the land. And so they packed up and went a-hunting. So let's look in chapters, uh, chapter 2, verses 3 through 8. Let me read that real quick. It said, when Herod and the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem was with him. And assembling all the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. It says, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. In verse 7 it says, Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child. And when you have found him, bring him word that I too may come and worship him. You all have all heard of Herod. Herod was half Jewish, half Edomian. 
And so he was known very much to be a very shrewd man. He pushed his people really hard. He built things all over the land. Uh, If you've ever heard of Masada, he built the fortress in Masada, which is literally a mountain fortress. And so he would just get people. So he would say, half this room, you're coming to work for six months, and then the next six months, you guys are coming to help. He would just make the people. He would levy the people to get them working. So the people hated his guts. Can you imagine? You know, you're working, you're like, oh, I've got to go build a temple on the mountain. It would be tough. And so the people did not like him. He was also very paranoid. Augustus, the Caesar at the time of the empire, said it is better to be one of Herod's sows than it is to be one of Herod's sons. Because if he felt threatened, he would kill him off. So a son would grow to age that could be king, and he would get paranoid and he would kill him. That's kind of how Herod operated. So he really had, he was really paranoid, but he wanted to be impressed people, so he built all these things. And so can you imagine these dignitaries, these men of wealth, you know, riding into Jerusalem and said, hey, we're looking for the king. He's like, well, I'm the king. No, no, the king that the star is the sign of. The scripture says that he was greatly troubled. Now, that word doesn't communicate what the Greek word really communicates. It means greatly disturbed. And so Herod's probably like nervous twitches, uh, not very happy, that these guys are riding in town saying, we are looking for the king and we want to come worship him. So Herod is flipping out. It also says in this text, it says in verse 3, it says, and all Jerusalem with him. Now, if you are familiar with God's Word, we know throughout the Old Testament it's talking about the Messiah. The Messiah's coming. This was a, a commodity. People knew about the Messiah. And so here comes these wise men talking about this star, reading scriptures from the Bible, and it says that all of Jerusalem were troubled. That doesn't make sense to me. They don't like Herod. They don't like the Roman Empire. And here are these guys saying that we are here for the king. And it says they're disturbed. They're troubled. And so here they, they share with them a scripture from Micah 5 2 talking about that he was to be born into Bethlehem. And so this mentality, I, it's just, it baffles me. If an if a army pilot came in here and said, hey, I landed my Chinook out back, is that okay? I'm sure all of us in here would go, huh. We all go outside. We would all go look at the helicopter. If Billy Graham came rolling in here in a wheelchair and said, hey, Jesus is in the back, we would be running to the door. And it's the same thing with these wise men. They're saying the Messiah is here. And they're like, I'll pass. No thanks. And so Herod kind of tricks them. And he talks about, hey, why don't you all go find him? And then we'll come, come back and we'll go worship him too. And so let's pick up in verse 9. It says, after listening to the king, it says they went away. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, 
and they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening the treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. Bethlehem is about six miles from Jerusalem. So they left Jerusalem, and I can imagine the excitement as they left and they saw the star again. And they started following the star going to Bethlehem. Now the text said they had great joy. Now going back to the story I told originally about my wife and I's first child, you know, it came the day for the delivery, and that was a tough day. That was a hard day for us. Labor lasted almost 24 hours. Um, I wanted it, the drugs during that process. It was really bad. At one point, I thought I was going to lose my wife and my child both within 30 minutes of each other. It, it, was, it was traumatic. But eventually, Ann Lacey Carlisle was born. And the road that we had traveled, with all its difficulties and hardships, were soon forgotten when I held my daughter for the first time. My love for her that was built over nine months just became a reality as I held her little hand and gazed into her eyes. The the love swelled to a point of unbridled joy. That unbridled joy, the same word that the Scripture uses talking about the wise men when they saw the star and saw Christ. These wise men had gone through so much. That's a big trek of distance between Iraq, Iran, all the way down to Jerusalem on a camel. I don't know if you've ever ridden a camel. I've ridden a camel, and it's not fun. It is not a warm, fuzzy feeling. But these guys did it. Through storms, I'm sure. Through dangers, I'm sure. Through all the research that they did. The time that they spent. They lost the star at one point, but having it appear before the home of the Christ child, man, it was no, no wonder that they rejoiced. It was no wonder that they rejoiced when they saw this. And the time had come, can you imagine going into the house with an idea of this child referenced in the Old Testament was the Messiah. Can you imagine that? These guys were smart people, probably academics probably real highfalutin, as we would say in Mayfield. And they're going in. And all this head knowledge became reality as they look down and they see the Christ child. And it says that they worshipped Him. It doesn't say that they go, oh, well, how do you do? Nice to meet you. Here's some gifts. We read about you. Thank you very much. No, it said they worshipped Him. They had realization. And this is a whole sermon altogether but about the gifts that they gave, but gold represents a gift of kings. We see that frankincense is a gift used for worship, showing Christ's divinity. And we see that myrrh is a gift of death that they would use in embalming. So these three gifts show who this Christ child is. Very expensive, symbolic gifts. And then we see in a dream that the angels told them to not to return to Herod. Because we see later in the scripture that Herod was so paranoid that they never came back that he went to Bethlehem and killed every child two years or younger. That's how paranoid Herod was. What a great story. 
that we read in God's Word of these three noble, royal, smart astrologers, these wise men that were influenced by the advent, that were influenced by the birth of Christ. You know, prayerfully examining this passage of Scripture, I've learned something that I would like to share with you all. The wise men are influenced by the advent, but starting this new year, I would ask all of you, how are you influenced by the advent? If you look at this text, all these things can be applied to us. There were three players in this game, three groups of people. Are you like Herod? where you see the advent, this birth of this child, and you're like, no, there's no room in my life for any other king. There's only room for me. And you want to kill the king off, remove the knowledge from your mind, not follow this king because you are a king? Are you like Herod? Are you like the high priest and the scribes? They culturally knew Christ. They knew Christ in their mind, but they didn't know Him in their heart. I know small-town Kentucky. I was born and raised in a small town. And it's very easy for people in small towns to become cultural Christians. I went to church all my life. I did all the things that I had to do for church. I knew God's Word in my mind, but I didn't know God's Word in my heart. I was like the scribes and the Pharisees. I chose to just ignore the teachings of God. I chose to ignore what the church wanted me to do, I did what I wanted myself. And so I was like these scribes and the Pharisees. And later on, I don't want to get you scared that I am a believer in Christ. <laughs> I did accept Jesus later on in the later part of my life. But still, I was like those guys. I was, when I heard about Christ and what I needed to do for Christ, I was deeply disturbed. Like the Scripture said. Some of you would like be like the wise men. Where you hear the story of the Advent. You know, you celebrate Christmas. You know, you look at yourself like Romans 12 says, that our bodies are a spiritual form of worship. This is a temple celebrating God. You know, everything that we say, everything that we do, shows glory to Him. And so as we look at this, this Three Kings Day of this the week, that's celebrated pretty most places in the world except America, as we look at the Advent story, as we look at the three kings, I just challenge you all to really evaluate your life. You know, where are you? Are you Herod, killing off Christ? Are you like the scribes that ignore Christ? Or are you like the wise men who worship Christ with everything that you do? Powerful stories from God's Word, and I'm so thankful that we have it to be able to embrace understanding of our Lord Jesus. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, today we thank you for your word, where we can learn about Jesus, where we can see how his birth came about. And I pray, Lord, that you touch our hearts today. Help us to evaluate it and reveal to us how we see Christ. Some here joyfully worship him as king. And there are others that choose to ignore the message of Christ. My prayer today is that those who want to know more about Christ will talk to me maybe after the service or Pastor Dallas this week. Now, oh Lord, how we love you and thank you so much for your son, Jesus, who came to earth to die for our sins, to make it right between us and you. 
And we know that when we confess Jesus with our mouth and believe in our hearts that He is Lord, we have eternal life with You, Lord. And we praise You for that. Thank You for providing opportunities for us to continue to come closer to You. Even though the Advent is over, may we continue to focus on the reason for that season. Help us to, above all, celebrate Your Son, Jesus, in all that we do. May we always live for Him. And it's in His name we pray. Amen. Please stand.